Welcome to the Faith-Based Business Podcast with your host, Pastor Bob Thibodeau. On this podcast, we interview fellow entrepreneurs who are willing to share their stories, their trials, and their triumphs in business, all in an effort to help you avoid the same obstacles and to achieve success faster. But at all times, continue to rely on our faith to see us through to victory. Now with today's guest, here is your host, Pastor Bob Thibodeau. You know, it's been said about real estate that they don't make that stuff anymore. So it is a limited supply, a limited amount. God does not create more land just because. Amen. Many people have made their living in the trading of land for dollars. We'll call it that. It's called real estate for a reason. You can really create an estate in the industry, right? The question many people have is, how? But how can they start without a lot of money? How can they find the deals that will give them enough profit? How can they negotiate all of the legal hurdles that exist to be successful? My guest today has been doing this since his early 20s, praise God. Alex Caesar Jr. has excelled at the Texas A&M College my old alma mater. I forgot to mention that during the pre Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, both as a student leader and as an athlete on the football team. He was the captain of the football team, graduated magna cum laude in engineering. He became the president of not one, but two multi-million dollar real estate companies, scaled his personal portfolio to own over 340 units using zero dollars out of pocket. Praise God. <laughs> Alex's focus is in organizational improvement, and he does that by focusing on cultural transformation. He helps Christian business leaders go from Sunday morning inspiration to Monday morning implementation by focusing on biblical principles to help create passionate, profitable, purpose-driven organizations. And he does this by combining the Bible, business, and management with a mission, profits with a purpose, and a culture of Christ. Praise God. Help me welcome to the program, Alex Caesar Jr. Alex, it is a blessing to have you come on the program today. I do appreciate it. Thank you so much, Pastor Bob. I'm excited to be here. Um, and after that introduction, we should probably just stop now. <laughs> and for more information you, on Alex, you did it better than I did. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Uh, the first question though, I always start with is this: other than that brief information I just shared, can you tell us in your own words who is? Alex Caesar Jr. Absolutely. I'm a man bought with a price that I could not pay. Uh, I am Deja's husband, soon to be Aubrey's dad, Branda's baby, and Alex's son. Born and raised, uh, born in Louisiana, raised in a small town in East Texas by the name of Orange, Texas. Uh, And then all of the stuff you read followed after that. Tell me where you're at in Louisiana. So I was born in Lake Charles, Louisiana, oh, yeah. uh, lived in Vinton, Louisiana for 10 years, and then basically just jumped across the border. Uh, we lived in Orange, Texas, the remainder of my um, childhood, and then my parents are still there now. Yeah, I spent uh, 1986 to 1992 in Louisiana. Nice. So, Where about? Fort Polk. Yeah, I, I know about Fort Polk. I love that place. I really did. I love that town. You know, it's a small hick town. You know, it reminded me where I grew up. Absolutely. And we jumped across the border, lived in Texas too. (laughs) Following your steps, brother. What do they say about Texas? The people that are all born and raised in Texas. I didn't, uh, wasn't born here, but I got here as soon as I could. could. (laughs) I had that bumper sticker. (laughs) 
<laughs> I love Texas. Praise God. Yeah. God's country. Amen. So how and why did you make the transition from college football and a mm-hmm. degree in engineering to a career in real estate? Yep. So actually, um, the way that happened, it was just divinely orchestrated, to be honest. So while I was playing football at Texas A&M, I met a guy in his backyard while I was fishing. Um, so we had the director of player development, Mikado Henson at A&M. He had a friend who was a friend of this guy. And this guy had a, a birthday party for his daughter. The friend did. And Mikado saw the lake and he says, hey, I have a few football players that I know like to fish. And me being a small town boy from the country, I like to fish. So he said, do you think that Doug would mind if I brought a few football players out here to fish? And he said, I doubt it. So he asked Doug and Doug said, yes. So I'm fishing and I'm telling you, this house that he lives in does not belong in Bryan College Station. Like it is immaculate. <laughs> it is big. It's just really a really nice house. And we're fishing and the sun is starting to set 25 acre lake. I mean, Picasso could not have painted a better picture. Amen. And as I'm in the kayak and I'm throwing my line out, I think I was the only player who actually caught fish that night. (laughs) All my other teammates weren't as used to fishing as I was. So I'm fishing and I see this guy walk out of these large double doors out into his backyard with the pool and the patio. And as he walks out, I just looked at him. I said, oh, okay. Now it makes sense. He's about seven feet tall. And I thought he was a retired NBA player. So I paddle across the lake, I get out, and I literally just went up to him to say, thank you. My name's Alex Caesar. Thank you for allowing us to come and fish in your yard. That turned into a conversation, which turned into a friendship, turned into a mentorship. And that same guy called me a year into my professional career and asked if I wanted to come back and start a business in real estate and eventually take over for him. And that's how it actually started was with a simple thank you. So I, I, you know, to relate it to biblical terms, you know, where are the other nine? Um, You know, this one returned to give thanks and praise to God. I was literally just going to say thank you. And thank you led into multiple multi-million dollar real estate businesses. Praise God. Amen. Amen. And you focus a lot on culture. And I'm taking this to mean the culture of the business that you're helping. Is that right? Correct. The okay. culture of the business, the organizations, because I go just beyond you know the business world, so sports teams, um, schools, so just organizational culture, mainly in the business world. Yeah, because because culture we've taken mean the culture of society today, you know the depravity yeah. and all yeah. that stuff. But you're talking about business. That's why I wanted to bring yeah. that question yeah. up. Yeah, business culture, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, and you have a saying: "Show me your culture, I'll show you your future." Can you explain yeah. that for us? So. Whenever I'm talking about culture, and we can get into this, but I start with what is culture, why does it matter, and how is it created? And what I mean by show me your culture, I'll show you your future, is this. The results that we experience in our organizations are simply derivatives or byproducts of the cultures that we've created. So that's why I'm so big on culture is because essentially – If you look at this long equation of culture, culture ultimately equals results in our organization. So that's why I focus on that, because a lot of times we try to, in our organizations, address things that are actually symptoms of a poorly designed culture. Much like a physician, they don't treat, they don't try to ultimately treat the symptoms 
great doctors treat the root of the problem, Amen. which is yeah. you're you have a headache because of your um your feet hurt because of. So making sure that we address the actual root of the problem. And most of the time in our organizations, it stems from our culture. Yeah. Amen. So what are the different areas of culture that you're looking at? I, I believe you call them the seven elements of culture. Yes. So vision, purpose, mission, core values, your brand, team building, and then also authentically building that culture. Those are the seven pillars that I use to create the culture. I mean, why are those areas so important? Yeah, absolutely. So when it comes to culture, I'll go back to the definition, the, the way that I define it is it's a beliefs, behaviors, and results. So how do we structure and influence our beliefs, therefore influencing the way we behave, producing the results that we expect to experience? So all of those seven pillars are ways in which we structure beliefs and also behaviors. Mm. So I'll just kind of go down the list. So if you think of vision, whenever I'm creating an organizational vision statement, it's an inspirational uh, statement describing what we hope to achieve in the future. But what that vision statement does is it gives us an ultimate goal. It gives us that big thing to work towards. It gives us a purpose for actually showing up day in and day out. That's how we influence that big vision that big thing we want to accomplish. However, we can't stop there. How do we influence daily operations? And that goes back to the mission of what we do, kind of why we're, why we are in business, how we do things, uh, who we are at our core. That's what I use for the mission. Organizational purpose, core values that influence behavior. I say that values have to be decided, defined, and demonstrated. That's the three D's of designing core values. So We want to make sure that we decide on what they are and have ways of teaching how you decide what your values are. Most of us have them. Some of us don't know what they are, but most of us have have values. Amen. Um, Decide what they are. Define them. So how do I make sure that we have a collective understanding in our organization of how we expect to see this word lived out? So for me, my company, it's the acronym LIES, but it's Love, Integrity, Vision, Excellence, and Service. Love, treat others as ourselves. Integrity, tell and live the truth, even if it hurts. Vision, live today like tomorrow matters. Excellence, give her all in all. Service, be inconvenienced, help others. Mm -hmm. So now we've decided, we've defined, and now I have to demonstrate that. So demonstrating those values creates a feedback loop for everyone in the organization that shows this is important. To where our values become value statements that turn into value actions. So core values... Our brand, just kind of what we be, who we are at our being, what we say and how we do it. Um, your team. So making sure uh, Darius Daniel says that you don't go as far as your dream, you go as far as your team. So making sure that we have the right people in the organization to actually accomplish what we hope to accomplish. Um, and what I use for the team building portion is Exodus chapter 18. We have that bring your dad to work day between Jethro and Moses happening. And he looks at Moses. And he goes, look, dude, what you are doing is all wrong. You and the people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. I'm going to give you some advice. And then he goes down the list and he says, number one, you need to find people that are, I call it the three C's of hiring competent. He says to find capable, God fearing and trustworthy men who hate this honest game, appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. So we have number one, competency, making sure we find people who can do the job with excellence. 
Number two, character, God-fearing, capable, or God-fearing and trustworthy men that hate dishonest gain. So making sure that your people match your values. And then lastly, um, capacity. Making sure that you appoint people to the appropriate level of authority in the organization. We've seen this go wrong a lot of times where we go too big too fast. um, But he says appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, tens. That distinguishment was made because everyone can't handle the same load. So you have to be able to know who your people are and put them in the proper position to be successful. Um, And then also authenticity, make sure that we don't have a counterfeit copycat culture, but we actually create a culture that's authentic to who we are, who God called us to be versus, oh, Google has a sleeping pod or um, Amazon is doing this. That looks cool. Let's adopt it. No. Who are you as an organization at the core? Let's build from there uh, versus going and copy someone else. So that's kind of the a brief overview of how I go in and attack culture. Um, But yes, it's just a little bit behind what I do. Yeah. Hey, man, that's awesome. That is that is really good. And that that part from Exodus really rings true. That's what I when I'm speaking on because I, I speak not just at podcasting conference, but because of my background in the military and law enforcement, sometimes I speak at leadership conferences. And when I'm right. doing that, I talk about that because that's the military system. You know, yep. they're not going to you know, I don't care if you are the the number one graduate from your basic training class, private, you are not ready to manage a division in battle. Nope. <laughs> you know? So, you know, so, you know and, and that's what they do. You know, learn your job, the basics of the job. Then you get promoted where now you can supervise two people. You know? Absolutely. And then once you can handle that, we'll give you six, three different teams. You know, now you're a squad leader, you know, yep. just like, and all the, you know, over the course of 20 years, yeah, you can manage a division. But yeah, and not I day one graduation from basic training. <laughs> absolutely. I actually had one of our so when I really kind of took over everything for Doug, um, one of our bankers, I and mean, we had you know 75 million plus under management, 800 plus units, 2,000 plus residents, and um 25 or so employees at the time. I was having lunch with one of our bankers. And he said, so tell me what you do at Twin City Properties again. And I began to describe to him my role. And he said, well, what does Doug do? And I said, well, he doesn't do anything anymore, really. And he looks at me. He goes, I didn't take him as a trusting person. (laughs) And what he meant by that, it was a compliment. But Doug has been his business and ingrained in it for a very long time. But it was a gradual process of him going, okay. Alex can handle this now. Right, right. But it wasn't yeah. me coming in the day one. It's like, oh, you're the president and here's yeah. everything I have to your care. Like it was a process yeah. to where he moved me up so I could handle it, yeah. gave me more, yeah. gave me yeah. more. So eventually right. he felt comfortable just being at home and not having to show up anymore. That's right. He was at process. that point in time. That point in time, he said, It's all yours. If you need me, I'll be on his lake fish. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, now you also specialize in biblical leadership and translating that to business. And you share about, you know, applying Jesus's leadership model. What is that? And how do you accomplish it? Yeah. So if you look at the model of Christ, the first thing that point that stands out to me is the word empathy, Mm -hmm. just in what he did by coming to earth, leaving a heavenly kingdom to empathize with man to go through temptation, to die a death that was due to us. Everything about his leadership model was, let me come where you are. 
Let me understand. Let me walk through it. Let me walk a day in your shoes. So that's the first thing I see. The second thing I see is the word scale. The way in which he designed his ministry was a way in which it could survive after his time on earth. And what I mean by that is, if you look at his relationship with the disciples, and I think that's every every business should have a somewhat of discipleship model if it's going to last and be sustaining. A lot of times what we see is whenever that visionary dies, the vision dies with the visionary. So it's how do we continue this beyond any one person? So if you look at the model of Jesus, we see him empowering his disciples. We see him teaching his disciples. We eventually see him giving the keys to make decisions that would impact his bottom line on heaven and on earth to his disciples. Mm -hmm. So if we relate that to business, and if you are a founder, if you are a CEO, if you are an executive that has a lot on your plate right now, you have to look at that plate and go, eventually all of these pieces on this plate have to be on someone else's plate if this is going to outlive me. So, and I think that's what we see right now in a lot of baby boomer businesses, instead of them selling the business or a, any type of, you know, a a large part of succession, uh, the the word success is succession. So um, how do we continue this? A lot of them don't have that in place and therefore they're just literally shutting their doors. I'm done. You know, I'm 70, 75, I'm ready to be done. They close the doors. Um, Whereas if they would have, had someone in the organization, trained someone in the organization, groomed someone, that thing could still be going on for decades, yeah, for centuries. Yeah. Um, so that's what I mean by the leadership model of crisis. One, empathy, and two, being able to delegate to the points you can scale and empower other people. Yeah, amen, amen. And going back to the military idea on that, <clears throat> in battle, the sergeant you know, may be called upon to become the platoon leader if that lieutenant takes a round. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, well, we got to stop. You know, my boss is dead. Yeah. (laughs) Go back and regroup now. No, it's like, grab his ammo, grab his weapon. Let's go. (laughs) It's like when you go him later. (laughs) Absolutely. Like when you go to the restaurant and they're like, hey, you know, is Jimmy back there? Yeah. And based on the answer, like, okay, well, I'm not going to order that, order that, that, that meal or that dish. And I'm like, hold on. We should not be so dependent upon one person yeah, that if, yeah. you know, if Sally's not at Starbucks, you don't order your favorite drink because exactly. you only like the way Sally makes it. Right. So we have to get to a point to where we have systems, yep. to where we have teachable models, to where we can actually teach it to someone else and scale beyond the knowledge inside, yeah. trapped inside of one person's head. And that no matter who it is is performing the task, the outcome is exactly the same. Absolutely. You hit it on the head. Perfection. Amen. Amen. Now, we opened with a question or a statement of how you're able to create and grow your real estate holdings without using any of your personal finances. Is is that even still possible today with the financial crisis the way it is right now? It is. Um, Really? And and here's what I'll say. I'm going to issue a word of caution, and then I'll tell you how I did it. it's not for everyone, and you really have to be skilled in the area of finding deals 
because essentially that is fancy terminology for 100% leverage. You don't have any skin in the game. You are, are heavily leveraged. Yeah. And for the people who don't know what leverage means, what I'm talking about is a debt structure. That means you put nothing down. So everything that you um, use to acquire the property is technically debt. My Dave Ramsey guys are rolling over right now. And I, I get it because, believe it or not, I am kind of a a Dave Ramsey guy when it comes to personal finance. Um, but here's how I was able to do it. So that's my word of caution. If you if you go into it and you don't know what a deal is, you will get hurt and burned. Um, you will have essentially Dave Ramsey story before Dave Ramsey became the Dave Ramsey we know. He went bankrupt in the real estate and too much leverage. Um, the way I was able to do it was I found a guy who had financial resources, but also was at a point in his life that he really didn't want to work very hard, but he still wanted to be involved, still wanted to grow. So I found kind of this um, symbiotic relationship to where I could benefit him by being the mentee who was diligent, who wanted to learn, um, who was eager who was hungry, who was willing to work hard. So I was that guy, the find the deal, negotiate the deal, rehab the deal. I did everything. Mm-hmm. He was the guy who had the money. Mm-hmm. So early on, he would bring the down payment. I could use his name to go to the bank and actually buy the property because um, his credit carried weight. There were many times I'd go to the bank and um, we only we had a, a, an account that we only used for transactions. So it never had any money in it. So he'd give me a check, $20,000, dollars $40,000. I put it in the bank the same day, same moment. They give me a money order, a cashier's check for that amount to go and close. So it just speaks to his credit worthiness. Yeah. Like, that's not supposed to happen. Yeah. That yeah. check is supposed you, to sit you, there for a few yeah, days. Yeah, usually you get that notice that says, okay, two weeks from now, yeah. release the phone. Exactly. <laughs> this money will be available. Like, it's not all available now. You can get 10 bucks out right now. Yeah, that's um, about it. Yeah. So I use his credit worthiness. I use my desire, my discipline, my you know work ethic, made a great partnership, and I provided him value on the business side to where I was managing his company, but starting another one. So I brought him a lot of value as an employee um, that, you know, ultimately I reached a place to where he couldn't compensate me what the marketplace would have compensated me, but it was made up for by me having a business and things like that. So um, that was kind of how I did it was finding someone who had financial resources, but also didn't want to go out and do all of the dirty work. So I was a dirty work guy and it just worked out. And eventually it got to a point where I was structuring deals so well that neither one of us brought money to the closing table. And we got a check when we closed. Um, (laughs) Like, but I say that with caution because that's, that's not what happens every single time. Yeah. So I don't want people to go out and go, I want want to do just what Alex did. Call Alex before you do that. Because I will tell (laughs) you, the market has changed. Interest rates are higher. Um, Property valuations. I was fortunate and blessed to be on on an uprise. Yeah. So I bought stuff for $630,000 that two years later was worth $1.15 million. Yeah. So there's timing in there. There's desire in there. There's an ability to work hard. Um, there's some creativeness. Um, so I'll just say that the elements need to be right, but it right. is possible. I could do it again. Um, 
but I would not advise that everyone does it. Just right. jump in and do it that way. I'd advise you go through the Dave Ramsey course, have some funds, put a down payment down. It's just a lot less risky um, yeah. if you do it that way versus the way I did it. Yeah, it, it, it served me well. It's a great story. Um, but just be careful. Yeah. Was this before or after 2008 crisis? This was afterwards. Afterwards. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, man. yeah this was after. Um, okay. So I, I was really heavy into real estate around 2016, but really heavy around 2018. Um, yeah, was when yeah. it just kind of start buying like crazy. Mm. So I will had I did have to go through COVID. Um, I survived <laughs> that whole ordeal with tenants yeah. and people. You know, are they going to pay? Are they not going to pay? It was a lot of. Um, yeah. Yeah. That was a leadership experience in itself because I just became the president of the company months before. So I was the guy that everyone looked to to answer the questions. Um, I was interviewed multiple times by news media that wanted me to say that we were going to kick tenants out if they didn't pay. I did a, I did almost a forty minute interview, and they aired five seconds of it because I wouldn't say <laughs> what they wanted me to say. Yeah, I just kept giving them the yeah. same answer in a different way, and yeah. she was like. I said, you know, we haven't gotten to that point yet. This is early, you know, February just hit. What are you going to do when your tenants can't pay? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold, slow down. My tenants are paid up. We have over 2,000 of them. When we get there, we'll address that situation. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Yeah. Okay, well, hypothetically, if they could not pay you, what are you going to (laughs) do? Let me get there. We're going to (laughs) work with them as best we can. She just wanted me to say, we're going to kick them out. I was going to be a landlord on the news that was stating we're kicking our tenants out. They don't pay. Yeah. That's what, that's the story they wanted that's, to run. So that's right. I had to lead through COVID. So that really helped me kind of hone my leadership skills. Amen. Amen. Speaking of leadership skills, let's talk about the course you offer on your website. Now we pretty much covered the questions, but tell us what the benefits someone will gain by investing in this course and tell us about the course. Yeah, absolutely. So it's culture catalyst. Got to, you know, purposeful and profitable organizations at alexcaesar.com. And Caesar is spelled as weirdly as you can spell it, S-E-Z-E-R. So that's alexcaesar.com. Um, the benefit of the course, I, I broke down the module. So we have a vision, the purpose, the mission, the core values, the brand, your team, and authenticity. The result of this course is, number one, you'll learn what culture is. Number two, you'll learn why it matters which is kind of, that's where we talk about the benefits, the employee retention, the um, ROI benefits, return on investment benefits that a strongly uh, defined and created culture has. Harvard study by, I think it's James Heskin and John Cotter. They evaluated companies on the S&P 500. And I think they took maybe, um, they compared the, I think, top 11 to maybe, 12 or so that were kind of in the average or poor culture. And there was a difference between 756% over 11 years um, in in net income, essentially profit margin um, change. So it has an ROI benefit, um, employee engagement, employee retention. um, And then ultimately, you'll get all of the tangible things of how to write a vision statement, how to write a mission, how to discover your purpose, how to find and train the right people in organization. So um, it hits every single pillar that you need to build a strong organizational culture. Amen. Amen. And is this course only for big businesses or will ministries or entrepreneurs benefit as well? 
Yeah. Um, churches, you know, I've worked with different organizations. Um, so churches, sports teams. Um, so essentially my target audience is Christian business leaders. So if you are in a position of authority to create change in the organization, it's for you. Um, if you are big enough to have dysfunction organization, it's for you. And here's what I mean by dysfunction. The moment you hire somebody else other than yourself, there's a potential <laughs> for some dysfunction there. So, or some, what we call division, literally two <laughs> visions. So, um, Amen. yeah, absolutely. That's who it's for. Amen. That's good. That's good. Alex, this all sounds so amazing. How can someone obtain more information, ask a question or possibly sign up for this course? Yeah. So alexcaesar.com, S-E-Z-E-R, alexcaesar.com. Um, you can also find me on Instagram and LinkedIn are probably the two most active platforms. Do a little bit on YouTube and, um, I think I have a personal Facebook account, but that's about somewhere. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like me. My wife just asked me about that a, somewhere, but I don't, I don't go yeah. on it. So <laughs> I'm going to put links to all this down in the show notes below folks from leading a football team to scaling multi-million dollar businesses. Alex Caesar has proven he knows what it takes to build winning teams. He is not just keeping this information for himself. He is answering his God-given call to share this information with you. He can help you grow your organization, whether it's a church or a ministry or your brick and mortar store or business, even your online business. He's here to help. If you want to succeed, you have to have someone who's been there and done that. So you avoid making the mistakes and pitfalls that could take you out, basically. And Alex is that person. As you heard, he just doesn't focus on the money side of things. He uses biblical principles that's been instilled in him since his youth. Principles that he put to work and found out they work. Praise God. Go figure that one out, right? I urge you to drop down the show notes right now. Get in touch with Alex Caesar. Click the links. Reach out. Check out his website. Yes, sign up for his coaching program. Amen. But only do so if you are serious about building a better organization. If you want to stay the same and not grow... You can do that if you want. But if you want to become a leader in your community, reach out to Alex right now. Alex, again, I just want to thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us today, man. I do appreciate it. Thank you so much, Pastor Bob. I appreciate you. And then, folks, that is all the time we have for today. For Alex Caesar, myself, Pastor Bob, reminding you to be blessed in all that you do. You have been listening to the Faith-Based Business Podcast with Pastor Bob Thibodeau. We appreciate you as a listener and fellow believer and want to encourage you in your entrepreneurial efforts. These programs are designed to provide you with information that you can use in your business to achieve success faster and avoid the obstacles that try to impede your success. All information on this podcast is for entertainment and information use only. Some of the products and services listed in the links may contain affiliate links and Pastor Bob will earn a small commission when you click those links at no additional cost to you. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you'll be notified when our next episode is published. Until next time, be blessed in all that you do. Are you a Christian entrepreneur, coach, or author with a message that needs to be heard? Picture this. 
your voice, reaching thousands, your story, inspiring hearts, and your business flourishing like never before. Introducing Faithcasters, the ultimate platform that connects faith-driven professionals like you with the power of podcasting. Become a sought-after guest on Faith-Based Podcast. Share your unique insights and connect with like-minded individuals who share your passion for faith and entrepreneurship as well. Imagine your expertise reaching a wider audience, expanding your network, and propelling your business to new heights. Well, it's all within reach with Faithcasters. So don't wait. Take the first step today on your journey to greatness by visiting our website at faithcaster.org. That's faithcaster.org. Join the Faithcasters community now and unleash the full potential of your faith-driven enterprise. You do not want to miss this opportunity. Faithcasters, where faith meets podcasting and your dreams become reality. Visit faithcaster.org. Let's soar together. And remember, anyone can be a podcaster, but only a Christian can become a faithcaster. Faithcasters, your voice, your platform, your success. Thank you.